Well, hello, everybody. And I, I did know we weren't charging. That was, that was, I'm on that pro bono committee, and I saw the name, and I said, oh, my goodness, Grace, that's cool. Greetings from North Shore Community Church, John Yenchko, and uh, the other pastors, the members of the board, of course, but all the congregation. You know, it's a, it's a real pleasure and an honor uh, to be here. I'm sure John would love to be here, but he's like you. He's, he's working on the, the Haiti mission, getting ready for that. Let's pray. Father, we know you are here, but we are asking that your Holy Spirit moves in a mighty way right now. Open the eyes of our hearts that we might see you. Lord, let us leave ourselves, our egos, our cares outside. Let us be focused. And, it was, and that, as was just prayed, let us be humble in your presence. And let the meditations of my heart and my words be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's turn to Romans chapter 16. Starting in verse 1. And it's in uh, the Pew Bible in front of you at page 950, and it's in the bulletin as well. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Cancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord. Tryphania and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sassipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Well, I think I need a drink. (laughs) You know, back in November, John Yenchko asked me, John, I'm not able to preach on, he gave the date in in mid-November. Can you preach? I said, sure. What do you have? What? what, what? Romans 16. So okay. I, I, I really just don't think he wanted to read the names. <laughs> he had been spending a whole year. We had been spending a whole year in the book of Romans. That, the, the Thursday before I preached at Home Fellowship, Christine and Chundia, one of the members of our group, says to me, John, is it true? Are you, are you preaching from Romans 16 on Sunday? And I said, yeah. She says, What's the message? In a really strong Italian accent. What's the message? It's a bunch of names. Romans. All year, John had been, Pastor John had been preaching. The first 11 chapters. Theology. The doctrines of grace. Saved by faith and faith alone. Sanctification. Right on through, up through 11. 12, 13, 14, 15. Application. What does this mean for us? How now do we live? What does it mean for the church? In fact, when, when you look at the end of, uh, of Romans 15, after all of that, the last verse says, May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. That's it. Sounds like a benediction. Sounds like it's all over. It's not. Then he goes into 16 with all these names. Why? What is he doing? Well, theology, application. This is Paul applying application. He is doing it. He's expressing everything he's been teaching up till now, concretely, by shouting out to people in Rome who he either knows personally or has heard of. And he's saying, welcome them, say hello to them, greet them. And then he's also, of course, refers to the folks in, in the Corinthian church where he's writing the letter from in Corinth, who are sending their greetings too. See, it's all very personal. When you go back to the beginning of Romans, Romans 1, you see in the first few verses that he's writing... He's writing to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And then he goes off from there. But now we see people with names. Names. Charles Schultz. Peanuts. I remember when I was... A teenager, I love peanuts. I'd read it every day. I remember Linus. I love mankind, he says. I love mankind. It's just people I can't stand. Yeah. Paul is just the opposite. He loves people. 
He wants to engage with them directly by name. Who does that remind you of? Our Lord, Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read it. Wherever he's going, sure he's talking to thousands of people, but he's talking to people directly, personally, one-on-one. He's walking down the road, looks up in the tree. Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to go to your house today. We're having lunch together. Zacchaeus, that little Danny DeVito, kind of a creepy guy. That's who he... Zacchaeus, come down. Our good shepherd, in John 10, John 10, 3, the good shepherd knows us all by name. By name. You see, at the cross, we are all the same. Sinners in need of a savior. That's it. Sinners in need of a savior. Estranged from God. Enemies of God. But he wove us all in our mother's wombs. And each, for each of us, after he made us, he broke the mold. There's only one of you. Only one. In Revelation, I think it's chapter 2, verse 13, it talks about how in the new earth, Jesus will give you a name that only you and he know. It's that personal and that direct between him and us. That's our relationship. That's our God. So, when we get to Romans 16, and Paul starts saying, putting forth all these names, you can start understanding what he's doing and why. But the ultimate answer of why is for the glory of God. And where do I get that? Just back up one chapter into 15. And we read it. We read it. My goodness. I'm so glad. There it is. Okay. 15, 1 to 7, as we, we read earlier. But look at the last part of it. May the God of endurance and encouragement, well, that's pretty good. I love those words. Endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony, harmony with one another. Well, that's what you see in Romans 16 with all those names. He's talking about harmony. In accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Therefore, welcome one another, it's all that Paul is doing in Romans 16, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Pastor Mark, last week, preached from John 13. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. As I have welcomed you into the family of God. That's how we're supposed to love each other. That's what this is saying. That's Je- that was Jesus talking in the upper room. This is Paul the Apostle saying the same thing. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, the second point that I would like to address now in my presentation is what does this mean in terms of how has Christ welcomed us? And that also is in the bulletin, except I want to add one verse. Go to Romans 5. I don't know the page number in your pew Bible. 
I hope uh, you can find it quickly. Here we go, 942. Okay. Verse 11, so I want to go here. I'm not finding it as quickly as I wanted in my Bible. Here we are. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? I'm adding verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been singing over and over again about the cross and how, and I love that song where, where to die is not to die. The reason is, is because we have already died, we who are in Christ Jesus, because we have been, we died into his death so that we could rise in his resurrection and have life now and for eternity, united with him. And that's what this is talking about, these verses in Romans 5. But look at how it just says at the end, whom we have now received reconciliation. Focus on that word received for a moment. That's faith. That's faith. That's acceptance. That's taking it in. We're going to do the communion a little later. That's, that's symbolic of just that. Our reception, our receiving into ourselves what Christ did on the cross for us in dying. That's it. So now go back to the text. Back to those wonderful verses in Romans 16. What's the key here? Are all these people part of a social club that they just like hanging out and they like each other? Oh, no. It's much more than that. Look at the words over and over again. And it's the key to understanding this whole passage. If you don't see it, you miss the whole point. In Christ. In Christ. In the Lord. See, Paul is totally concentrated on Jesus Christ and our Lord. That's it. So you see, you see in Christ or in him or in the Lord repeatedly. Verse 1, you see it with reference to Phoebe. Verse 3, verse 7, verse 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 22. In Christ. So what does in Christ mean? What is that? That sounds like a little, I'm not quite sure. I mean, is that sort of sort of like a new agey type of thing that we're sort of like uh, connected with, you know, some metaphysical force or something? No, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. In Romans 11, Paul talks about us being grafted in. We are grafted in. Now we start getting sense. Grafted in. That's a, bio, that's, that's a plant concept. Grafting in like a rose. And we're grafted in to become children of God. We who are estranged are now connected. In the upper room, Jesus talks in chapter 15 about himself as being the vine and that we are grafted in as branches We get all of our sustenance, all of our life, all of our strength from him in connection with the vine. He's the vine. That's the concept of in Christ. Romans 8, 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. So the key... For us being in him is that he is first in us. 
first in us. And how does that happen? I love Nicodemus, that Pharisee, that, that great, I mean, he's, I'm sure he was a lawyer. He had to be. How can I be born again? What does that mean? Do I go back in my mother's womb? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. New life, regeneration. The word regeneration is new life. That's, that's, that's the seed. And the, Holy, the word of God is the seed. And the Holy Spirit works it in us and we are new. We're born again. And that's what it says here in Romans. I repeat it again. You are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 15.22 For as in Adam, that's who we are, children of Adam and Eve, all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive for eternity. Now, the, what I've titled this part of, this, of my message is In Christ, quotes, that's what the, the, those words, that that's a spiritual position by which we have life, identity, protection, and the innermost intimacy with God. So, life, identity, protection, and the innermost identity, uh, intimacy with God. I've already talked about life. Let's talk about identity. We've already talked a little bit about, about identity. Talk about names. Names. That's, I'm John. My wife is Debbie. This is Mark. Names. We are adopted into his family. That means we're his children. I grew up in, I grew up in Hong Kong where my parents are missionaries. I'm the young, youngest of six. But they're all, my brothers and I were, were there. My sisters were still back. We're here in the States in college. Every day, the last words I heard from my father were, remember who you are. Remember who you are. I got to tell you, I really didn't want to remember who I was. You know, it's a lot easier to go through life just sort of forgetting, just sort of going with, the, going with the flow or whatever it is. You don't want to be accountable. He was not saying to us, remember that you're David and Helen Morgan's sons. He was saying to us, remember, you are a child of the king, the Lord of lords. That's who you are. Identity. And that's who we are. That's, we're, we're in the family of God, his children. The third thing I wanted to point out with being in Christ is protection, protection. What do I see that where I get, I get, want to talk about there? Again, going into Romans. Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I'm paraphrasing or shortening it. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing. We're totally safe, totally protected forever. So you got life, identity, protection. Now, when I, I like to, you know, takeaways. How do you, how do you recall things after you walk out these doors? Will you recall anything next week or whatever? When I think of protection, what I want to picture in my mind is Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Why? It's real simple. 
You're in the ark, you live. You're out of the ark, you die. That's it. Who's our ark? Jesus. In Christ, you live. Period. That's what the stakes are. The stakes are really big. I tell you, I, I'm a missionary kid, but I walked away from Jesus for 10 years. 10 very important years, age 20 to 30. A lot of things could have happened during that time as a result of my conduct that could have had serious consequences. But he protected me. He protected me because he knew that he would call me back. He would pull me back. He never left me. I left him. Protection. Fourth thing, intimacy. Intimacy. We, we read from, from uh, Romans 5 about reconciliation. We are reconciled to God the Father because he wants relationship with us. And he, that's one-on-one -on -one name, your name. He wants to be close. He wants to love you as his son, as his daughter. Anyone know what a, a matroshka is? No one? I bet, you, I bet you just don't know the name. You've seen them. You know these little Russian dolls? You have a little doll like about this big? about maybe half an inch, and it's in another little doll, and that's in another little doll. And you put, they're beautifully made. That's a matroshka. Intimacy with God, I think of a matroshka, that I'm the littlest in that. Well, where do I get that? Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a matroshka, isn't it? It looks like a matroshka to me. You say, well, wait, wait. You know, I really don't want to think about myself as a little doll. That's not really very helpful. That's not a good takeaway for me. Well, let me remind you. Who is the greatest warrior king in the history of mankind? At least in my opinion, and I think I'm right. David. David, the greatest. But there's no... How did he... David picture himself. My favorite Psalm, 131. David pictures himself as a weaned child sitting on his mother's lap. The mother, in this case, being symbolic of God. Totally dependent on God. That's David. So, I th again, intimacy. So we have in Christ, life, identity, protection, and intimacy. Now, I want to go back to the text. The next portion of, of what I want to talk about describes the church as united, as the family of God. It's a band of brothers and sisters. We are the fellowship of the cross. We are God's ambassadors in the ministry of reconciliation. But before I do that, and expound that from the text and talk about that, I want to read, go, go to, with me to Ephesians 4, chapter 15, uh, 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 verses, um, actually started with, with 11. And in, 
I didn't have this in my mind at all last November when I spoke at our church on this, but I, I did in preparing for today. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And that's, you, know, you hear about that. I mean, you know, Mark's in that category. I'm not. I'm just a lawyer. But look at the next part. To equip the saints. I'm in that category. So are you. For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. My goodness, here we are. That's exactly what this is all about. Where to? To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we've heard that phrase, but look, listen to the rest of this. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, in Christ. We're to grow up. That's a process. It's not just like that, but we're there, but now it's working out your salvation, getting stronger, more in him. Then he goes on. From whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body, body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's it. That's it. That's what this whole Romans 16 is about. Brothers and sisters, the band of brothers and sisters, the fellowship of the cross. I love Tolkien's, the, you know, with the, the, the trilogy, the fellowship of the ring. We're the fellowship of the cross. Ambassadors and his ministry of reconciliation. That's out of 2 Corinthians. Let's look at this group that's listed in Romans 16. 24 people are named, two are not named. Nine are, excuse me, ten are women. Eight named, two not named. This is 2,000 years ago, folks. I hear a lot of talk out there that somehow or another the church is a, the Christian, Christianity is a religion for white, of white men. Almost more than a third, almost a half of the people that Paul talks about are women. Strong. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Greeks, Jews, Priscilla and Aquila are Jews from northern, what is now northern Turkey. Rich and poor. Look at the look at, at the, the at the end of that text when it's talking about a couple of the people in Corinth. I, Tertius, Tertius, who wrote this letter, so he's the scrivener for Paul. Greet you in the Lord. Tertius, that's not even a name. That's a number. Number three. He's a slave. He's a slave. At the end, he says, our brother Cordus greet you. That's again. What is Cordus? The number four. Another slave. A lot of, a lot of uh, study has been made of, of historically going way back of, of all these people that are listed. Many of them are very wealthy in Rome, as wealthy in, in Corinth as well. But there's a lot of people that are very, very poor. 
that are just, they're probably slaves in a household that are being referred to. Rufus. Remember that name in, in verse 13. Who's Rufus? It's pretty uniformly held that the same Rufus, that's, it's the same Rufus that's mentioned in Mark 13. Rufus is the son of Simon of Cyrene. And who is Simon of Cyrene? He carried the cross. He's from North Africa. You want to talk about diversity? Diversity starts in the church. Why? Because we are the family of God. That's why. The ministry of reconciliation. See, God the Father sent God the Son through the Holy Spirit to mankind to rescue us. And part of the plan is that he, Jesus, has given us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the job of spreading that same message on across the world until the whole church is formed the whole church. There's a specific number of people that will be in the church. And until then, he's not coming back. We have that job. That's the ministry of reconciliation. He came to reconcile people to God the Father. And we have, you could say the duty, the honor, we're his servants spreading that word. When Mark goes to Haiti with, with my pastor, John, that's part of that. That's part of that. He's going there. They're going there to teach teachers, to preach to pastors, how to preach, how to, again, build the church in Haiti. Debbie and I were in Haiti as, as an advanced sort of reconnaissance team years ago. Because our church has been sent, since then, has been sending a mission team every summer to Haiti, made up of, this time I think, this coming summer, I think we'll have about 25 Young, old, all sorts of programs for about two weeks, including two doctors. That's part of the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job. When, when Mark was talking about reaching out to the community, it's not just Haiti. My goodness, it's the world. And the world starts here, folks. When he starts reaching out to, with God's love around, that's the ministry of reconciliation. Now I want to talk about Examples. Bear with me a few more minutes. Phoebe! Let's go back to the text. Who is Phoebe? I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Cancria. Cancria is, is the, is the seacoast town right by Corinth. It is uniformly held, going back to the early church fathers, that Phoebe is the person who carried the letter of, Ro- of Romans to Rome. I mean, you know, you didn't have, you know, you couldn't text it there. It had to be carried. And who did it? Who did Paul repose that? Remember, the, remember uh, Denzel Washington in the book of Eli? Remember that? Great. I, I, you know, maybe, for, I don't know if people saw it, but it was, uh, several years ago. The book of Eli was the Bible. It's a, it's a wonderful story. Well, I, I want to start saying that the book of Romans is, probably should be called the book of Phoebe. She was the one who carried it. But what does it tell you about the honor that Paul had for this woman who was described here as a patron, but I want a servant of the church. That word is diaconus. She is either what would be called a deacon 
or the equivalent of a deacon. And he's, he's encouraging those in Rome to treat her really well. Wonderful example. Then you get Priscilla and Aquila. My goodness me, who are they? Well, they, they, you go back to Acts and you see who they are. I already told you who, that they were uh, Jews from northern Turkey. They were tent makers, business people. Had a small business making tents in Rome. The emperor said, I'm sick of all these people, Christians, Jews, and all the Jews, and many of them were Christians. You're out of here. They kicked them out. They became refugees. They settled in Corinth. They met Paul. They met, went with Paul to Ephesus. They continued with doing planting churches. Wherever they went, they planted a church. That's why it refers to a church in the home. Wherever they went, they had a church in Rome, in, in, Rome, in Corinth, in Ephesus. They were evangelists. And she says, he says, all the churches of the Gentiles give you thanks. Give them thanks. They are tremendous as examples. So I just want to end this with, with talking about examples for a moment. Again, going back to the message Pastor Mark gave last week on, from John 13. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. Love each other as I have loved you. How did he love Well, the beginning part of chapter 13, of course, is the foot washing. When he's washing their feet, he's showing the disciples what it means to be a Christian. You wash, you take care, you serve. But of course, how he really meant it is what he did the next day. He died on the cross the next day. Love each other as I have loved you with that kind of self-sacrifice. That's the example. That's the ultimate example. But I have many examples. You have many examples. Keep looking for examples. Mark's an example. Your teachers are an example in church. I've got to say, my, I just want to give something short on three examples. The, the best two examples I've ever had are my parents. So David Morkin, in 1947, had a wonderful ministry in Los Angeles. And he left it in order to go where? With Youth for Christ as an evangelist into China. 1947, 1948, 1949, 1950. At that time, when he went there in 47, he had five children. Packed up my mom, Helen, my five older brothers and sisters, and went into China. What was going on in China in 1947? A civil war. The communists versus the KMT, the nationalists. I mean, by the time I was born in 50 in Shanghai, it had already been taken by the communists and the nationalists were trying to retake it. And of course we left. But what I, the point that I want to make on that is the example. The church needed to be built up. People needed to be evangelized. What was coming was horrendous. And God used a lot of people, a lot of missionaries during that, those years, to build up the church in China so that today the church in China has over 100 million people in it. It's probably the strongest, biggest church in the world all through those, that, those years of persecution by the communists. But it was, it was, there was people that went out. My mother, let me give you another little story. My mother had, she died of breast cancer. So she had breast cancer. She, you know, she was clean. She was a survivor. Then in the early 80s, she was told, it was, it's back. It's a metastasized. She was alone when the doctor told her that. She went out in the car. She pulled out her Bible. 
She said, Lord, this is hard. I'm just going to start reading and praying, and I'm not getting out of this car in the parking lot until you tell me why, what's going on. I'm not ready. She just started in the book of Colossians, right in the beginning. Right at the very end of the book of Colossians, verse 17, chapter 4, Paul says this, And say to Archippus, and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. That's it. I, I mean, who would ever, I mean, who cares about that little verse? See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And she said, that's it. God has work, more work for me to do. I'm not done yet. So for the next couple of years until she, she was called home, she, was a, she continued to minister and was a great, great witness. The last person, the last example, I can't, I have to. Right on the front of this, you see a quote from Eric Little. You will know as much of God and only as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. Who here knows who Eric Little was? Oh, wow, great. Chariots of Fire, best picture of the year, 1981, tells his story, or at least part of his story. Born in China, a missionary kid, went back to Scotland as a, as a, as a young, young lad to go to school. And they realized pretty quickly, this boy could run. Paris Olympics, 1924. He's running for Great Britain. He's a sprinter, one of the fastest men in the world. He's geared up to do the 100 and the 200. He can't run the 100. Why? Because they run on Sundays, and he's not going to run on Sundays. Sorry. He's put into the 400. They're not running that on Sunday. That's not his race. He wins it. He wins it going away. And everybody suddenly says, oh my goodness. He's 22 years old. He's probably the fastest man, sprinter, runner in the world. He's only 22. You got the 28 Olympics coming up. You got the 32 Olympics coming up. No. Where does he go? China. Back to China. For the next 20 years, he ministers in that land. Gets married, has two daughters, his wife is pregnant, and of course the Second World War. Japan has has invaded, conquered China. He sends his wife and his daughter's home. He remains to continue to minister. And of course he's taken, he's put in in the camps. And he continues to minister. The testimony of how he served and who he, what he did in the camps, it's a wonderful read. The movie, Chariots of Fire, ends with, of course, him dying in the camps in, in 44. And all of Scotland mourned. And they did. But I tell you what, they did not mourn in heaven. I'm sure just like Jesus rose and stood waiting for Stephen, he stood waiting for Eric Little. See, he finished the course. That song, we sang it. I mean, I just, it was a wonderful choice. It just, till the race is finished and the work is done. 
We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward, till the race is finished and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah, that, that was Eric Little. And the blessing that came out of his internment in the, in the camp was amazing. So many people cut... It blessed him for years and years and years. One man, coming out of that, he became a missionary to Japan for 50 years, starting churches. Because Eric Little taught him what it meant to, to forgive. These people, the Japanese, they need to be ministered to. For 50 years he went. See, nothing is lost in God's plans. So, when you think about Romans 16 again. Think about it as an example, first of all, of what our relationship is in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ. And remember that we are brothers and sisters. Remember to greet each other by name. Oh, and lastly, Remember to give each other a holy kiss. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds to me like a, a good hug or a good shake, handshake or, or maybe even for a, a younger person, a little, what do they call that, a fist bump. But love each other in Christ. Thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you for the opportunity again to speak about what you have done. Before the foundation of the world, Lord, you saw us and you knew us. Our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you came and died for us. Now help us, first of all, to love each other as you have loved us. To welcome each other as you have welcomed us. And then, as you have directed to go out and by example and by word and by deed show people who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.